Today is the day that the Lord has made. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. 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 Hey, I'm Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Peace Church. I'd love to get a chance to meet you if I haven't had a chance yet. And I know that we're in a little bit of a packed house right now. So if you are just visiting us maybe for the first time today and you walked in and you had a hard time finding the seats, um, just it's indication that God's kind of doing something here at Peace. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So real quickly, I want to say hello to those in our other venues, to those joining us in our chapel, to those joining us downstairs in our venue, and then of course those, those who are joining us online. Good morning to you. Good morning to everyone. I'm excited about today. I am very happy to see you. I'm happy that you're here. Would you turn to the person next to you and if you are, don't lie to them, but say, I'm happy to see you too. <laughs> Either a lot of joy or a lot of lying right now. <laughs> so here at Peace Church, uh, we are in the midst of a sermon series called Where God Leads. And the reason that we're looking at this sermon series right now is because for Peace Church, 2021 has been a hard but a phenomenal year for us. And this is not about bragging. This is about just giving a frame of reference. I want to let you know like, what's, what's, what's happened so far in 2021 for us here at Peace Church. So far in 2021, we have renovated this worship center. We have renovated our downstairs gym. It's beautiful. If you haven't had a chance to go check it out yet where our kids are. And we've renovated our chapel right across the way here, which by the way is a venue that has live music on mornings, um, every Sunday morning, if you want to join us over there in a little bit smaller of a feel. All these places we have renovated so that we could be more accommodating to all the people that we believe God wants to bring, us, bring to Peace Church. We've also added 30 parking spots to our parking lot. We've gone from two services to three services. We have reconfigured, uh, re, re, sorry, reconfigured our children and youth ministry paradigms in light of our crazy growth. We've also doubled down on catechism for the curriculum. Uh, we teach catechism here at Peace Church for our little kids all the way up even through, through high school, but we do it in relevant ways that speaks to where they are now so that they can hold to eternal truths throughout their entire life. Our uh, midweek programming this past week launched. Um, this year we're going to be meeting every single week for Bold Boys and Brave Girls. That launched with record attendance. We uh, are currently in the midst of hiring three brand new full-time positions that fit very, very comfortably in our church budget. Over the last 10 years at Peace Church, we have averaged about 50 to 60 new members per year over the last 10 years. Sometimes a little bit higher, sometimes a little bit less, but somewhere in the range of 50 to 60 new members per year. So far this year, in 2021, we've already welcomed 126 new members to Peace Church, and with 30, yeah, very cool, very cool. We have 30, uh, over 30 signed up for our membership class that starts in a couple weeks, and it's not too late to sign up if you want to do that as well. But I just want to say one thing real quick to those 126 people. Please hear me. You are not a number. You are the name of someone that God has redeemed and wants to use for amazing things, and we cannot be who we are called to be as a church without you. So thank you for joining our church family. I can't wait to see you welcome future family members to this church. Yeah, thank you. So God is obviously doing something here at Peace Church, and sometimes we just feel like we're along for the ride. And we've been looking at this year of God just doing some great things here at Peace, but we, we've been asking the question, like, what, what exactly are you doing, Lord? I mean, surely this is, this is more than just about 
more people on Sunday morning, as beautiful as that is, we think there's more to it than that. So we've been asking the question, where, God, are you leading this church? That's our fall launch sermon series. And, and the, the, Bible that we've, the Bible passage we've been looking at to try and like answer that question has been through the book of Acts, specifically through Paul's second missionary journey. The reason we looked at Paul's second missionary journey is because, Peace Church, we, we're, we're nearly 60 years old. As I said last week, this is not our first rodeo, and I don't believe it's our last So this is just where we are at. In the book of Acts, you see three prominent missionary journeys. I think we're in our middle one. So we're going to follow Paul on his middle one. But the key to success in any realm is self-awareness. You have to know who you are. And as a church, this year has really forced us to look into the mirror. And for us, when we look into the mirror, we see at least three key things. We see that we are gospel-centered, we are family-focused, and we are kingdom-minded. We are gospel-centered. For us, everything is about the gospel of Jesus Christ, getting the good news of his love and salvation for all people. Us getting that out, that is, that is central to who we are and everything we do. So, the, so no matter what we do at Peace Church, from our outreach to our community, to our programming for kids, to uh, projects like clean water in Africa, or something that's near and dear to my heart, like orphan care. All of this is under the banner of Jesus Christ and about getting his gospel out there. Sometimes it's just outright presenting the gospel. Sometimes we do these things so that we can pave the way to present the gospel. But either way, for us at Peace Church, all roads lead to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are family-focused. I think when you look at the history of Peace Church, there's one thing that's just ingrained into our DNA is that we care for families and care that families get centered around the gospel. And you see this really prominently uh, in our children's ministry, our our ministry to our children and youth, that we focus on making sure that our next generation knows and loves Jesus as much as we do and more so. So we invest heavily into this realm. We also want to increase our focus on marriages and parenting. So families can find holistic healing in the gospel. We're gospel-centered, family-focused. And for the next two weeks, we're going to look at what it means to be kingdom-minded. But here's a snapshot of what I mean by that. That we here at Peace Church, we are not just about getting the brand of Peace Church out there. We have a beautiful logo, but it doesn't matter to me if that gets in front of every face in America. I want the gospel to be known to every person in America. And so for us, we are not just about ourselves for us, we want to give to our community and give to the kingdom to see the name of Jesus expand. And so we are gospel-centered, family-focused, and kingdom-minded. That's, that's, that's our threefold DNA. Do we do other great things? Of course we do. But when you boil it down, at the end of the day, this is who we are. And so when we think about what God has called us to, we want to share the gospel, we want to strengthen families, and we want to support the kingdom. And so our vision, our vision, like our our picture of a desired future, like we, the thing that we want to see happen is this, is that we want to see the gospel embraced and passed on for generations of kingdom impact. So when you think about our DNA and our vision, here's how these two interplay. Like we want to see the gospel embraced by all people, no matter where they are on this planet. We're gospel-centered. We want to see the gospel embraced and shaped families for generations and generations. We want to see the gospel passed on for generations. This comes into our family focus. And passed on for what? For kingdom impact. So that God's people throughout the generations will continue to make an impact for his kingdom. 
And that's why we're kingdom-minded. So last week we talked about being gospel-centered, being gospel-centered. For the next two weeks, we're going to look at being kingdom-minded. So our vision at Peace Church is to see the gospel embraced and passed on for generations of kingdom impact. I have to ask, with everything going on in this world, and this constant being jerked back and forth between good news and bad news, do you believe God is doing something in this world still? I do too. I think one of the most profound ways I see that is through this church. And it's not just like what I get to see our staff and leaders do. It's what I see our entire church family do. It's the things I see you do. It's the things I hear about you doing. And the things that I know this church does that I will never even know about. I believe that we are a light. And we're going to continue to share that light. I believe God is doing something in this world. I think he's doing something in this church. And if you think that like I do, then hear me. That means he's doing something in your life. I believe that. I believe that if you just would open your eyes, you see that God is actually doing something in your personal life. And as we walk through this sermon series, I'm praying that you will see us as we talk about God's call on all Christians, God's call for us here at Peace Church, and then God's call for you. And so I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to go back. Let's, let's turn back to the passages we've been walking through. Acts chapter 17. Please turn there now. We're going to be looking at verses just 1 to 7 today. If you picked up one of the Bibles as you walked in, that's on page 1178. And as you're turning there, let me catch you up to speed where we are as we are following Paul and company on this second missionary journey. Here is a map that we see Mediterranean Sea. Here is modern-day Turkey. This is Greece. Of course, this is Italy. We see Paul and company for their second missionary journey. They launch out from Jerusalem. They head up through Syria. Uh, They swing around the bend here in Antioch. They go through Tarsus. They um, go through Derby and Lystra. Here they pick up Timothy, which is important because they pick up Timothy along the way, but yet they're going to leave him in Ephesus to be the pastor there. I'm going to come back to that. They go through this region. If you remember last week, they're all over the place here. They can't find which way they're supposed to be going, but God finally lights the path for them. They wind up in Troas. They get a vision of a man of Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. These guys know that that that's a gospel call, so they jump to sea here. They go to Philippi. We're not going to spend time with them in Philippi, but just here's what happens in Philippi. Uh, uh, Lydia comes to Christ. The church is started there. They cast out a a demon that's inside of a young girl. They get thrown in prison. God does a miracle, breaks them out of prison. Happy day. They move on. We're going to pick up with them leaving Philippi on their way to Thessalonica. We're going to hear about two cities, Amphipolis and Apollonia. Those cities are right in this region here. So just know that that's where they are as they're passing through here. So now that we're all caught up to speed on this journey, would you follow along as I read for us Acts chapter 17, verses 1 to 7. Would you hear the word of the Lord? Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. Stop right there for a second. This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. Christians in the house. If you're not a Christian, welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. But for you Christians in the house, 
Do not let your life go by without ever you uttering this phrase to someone who doesn't know Jesus. This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. Verse 4. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous And taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. This is God's word. Would you please bow your heads and pray with me, and then we'll get to it. Father God in heaven, we come before you and we seek to follow you, guided by your word, empowered by your spirit, for the sake of your gospel, in the name of Jesus, so that the gospel would be known, so that the glory would be yours. And here at Peace Church, Lord, be with us as we discern where you are leading us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. So for you note-takers, real quickly, every sermon in the sermon series is broken down like this. We're going to talk about the call of God. Then we're going to talk about our call, specifically as this local church, Peace Church. And then we're going to talk about my call, your call, to answer you individually. So let's, let's get at it. So as we look at Paul's second missionary journey, everywhere he goes, we see churches getting started. And here, in this passage, we see the birth of a Thessalonian church. And the the New Testament has two two letters written to this church. And as we look at the birth of this church, I think there's there's some key things that we find in God's call. Churches in God's kingdom will be eclectic. Churches in God's kingdom will face conflict. And churches in God's kingdom has a king, have a king. And so... Let's get to it. Churches in God's kingdom will be eclectic. All right, I will confess to you, uh, I like design. I like env- environment. I like aesthetics. That's important to me, uh, how a room is decorated, how a room is, uh, you know, the colors of a room. That, that, that speaks to me. That speaks to my soul. I've said this to you before. I'd rather watch HGTV than ESPN. Don't hate me. But I think, you know, when you, when you look at people and the way they decorate, I think there's like, it's basically two, two basic categories. There are those who decorate in ways that everything is like complementary and, and there's a common theme and it goes well together. And then there's people like me who I, I decorate because things mean something to me. Like I don't put something on a wall unless I've got like a 15 to 20 minute story I could tell you about this thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, real quickly, just kind of curious, who are the, everything should be nice and orderly and complimentary people? Who are, who are you? Who are, who are the people, I don't care what it looks like, it, I just, it has to mean something to me. Okay, 50-50, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, you know, if you come to my office, and uh, if you've got time after the service, I'll, I'll bring you downstairs to my office so you can see it. it might, you either love my office or you hate my office. Because in my office, like, I got a ton of stuff on the wall. And every single thing on the wall, I could give you a 15 to 20 minute story about why the thing's important to me. And you know what? I think that's how Jesus is building his church. That he doesn't bring us together because we all go together. He doesn't bring us together because we all match. Like he doesn't bring us together because 
we complement each other, I think he brings us together because we mean something to him. I think he pulls us together not because we complement each other, but because he has called us together. So that when the world looks at us, they will see a hodgepodge of mismatched people. And yet, we all know that we actually all have a common theme. And it's Jesus. I mean, when you look at this passage, I mean, Paul walks into these, to this synagogue, which is just a Jewish church, for three weeks, for three Sundays, he's preaching the gospel from the Bible to them, and all sorts of different types of people come to Jesus. Jews, Gentiles, men, women, rich and poor, and this is who God is calling into his church. Because God's churches will be eclectic. We're meant to be. We don't match each other. We're called by Jesus. We're, we're here because we, he mean, we mean something to him. But the eclectic church is not without conflict. Churches in God's kingdom will face conflict. This is how it works if you are into boxing or MMA, the fighting sports. You get this young fighter, comes in, wins a couple matches, proves himself to be a good fighter. They become a rising star. And do you know what happens? Everybody wants to fight that person. I think that's how the world works. I think that's how the spiritual world works. You got a church that's, that's unified and effective and out there and, and winning souls for the gospel. And you know what? I think the devil wants to fight a church like that. And so I, I love to see what God's doing here, but I know that the more that I see God doing here, the bigger of a target I think we become for hate, for gossip, and for the devil. And so I would just say, Peace Church, yes, let's celebrate. Let's move forward in faith. Let's celebrate what God's doing in this church, but let's also be prepared. Because those who are effective should expect opposition. The devil is a mastermind. Sometimes I don't think we give him enough credit. The ways that he just sneaks in and uses just little words that we say, the way he comes in and kind of just twists our heart in just the wrong direction and then a few weeks later, it's totally blossomed into something wicked. The devil will attack and he will take a toll on churches and, at, and even on this church at times. So we need to be ready, not just to face the challenge, but we need to be prepared for difficult decisions when conflict comes. But the church that stands unified is the one that the devil wants to attack. And I'd rather be on the devil's radar than not. And when the devil does attack, when the enemy does attack, we need to stand as one and say the words that Jesus said when he said, get behind me, Satan. Did you know that you have the authority to say that? Do you know that in Jesus, you have the authority to tell the devil to get behind you? Because our king has given us that authority. That authority comes from Jesus. Because churches in God's kingdom will follow the king the Savior of the world. And this is, this, is, this is it. I mean, this is why we are here, for him. Because he's called us. He's called us. We're going to gather together and we're going to worship him, the Savior of the world who laid down his life for the very people who mocked him, for the very people who whipped him and killed him. He laid down his life for us, for me. He laid down his life so that we might have salvation from our sins, so that we wouldn't face the penalty and the justice and the judgment that our sins deserve. He took that for us so that we would not just not have to face punishment, 
but so he would call us to be a part of his church, part of his kingdom, that we'd have a home amongst the family of God as we experience the love of God. Did you know that the uh, Detroit Lions are expected to win the Super Bowl this year? Not true. You know what concerns me? Is that we are more shocked at the notion of the Lions winning the Super Bowl than at the notion that the Son of God came to lay down his life for us. Christians, we are so critical of the world being desensitized, which they are. But Christians, let's not be desensitized to the gospel. I mean, every time you hear that Jesus laid down his life for you, I mean, receive that anew. I mean, let that elicit some passion in you. You think the world's ever going to believe our message if we don't even care about it? I mean, you think the world's going to be passionate about a message that we aren't even passionate about? When we say that Jesus laid down his life for us, that should move us every single time. As we understand the gravity of how wretched our sin is, how terrible our destiny was until Christ saved us. Oh, church, listen to me. The time, the day is growing short. And this is not a time to be falling asleep. Church, this is a time for us to be awake and reminded of the great love that God has for us, the great sacrifice that Jesus did for us, and the great power that we have in the Holy Spirit who's alive in us. Do not be desensitized to this message. This message is worth everything. It is worth the conflict we will face. In this passage, we see this guy Jason and his house get attacked. See, probably what happened is that when Paul rolls into Thessalonica and they start this church, they're like, man, where are we going to meet? And this guy Jason's probably like, hey, y'all, you can meet at my place. And so they all start meeting at Jason's house. And then, of course, well, Jason's house becomes like the bullseye of the opposition. And so they come and they attack Jason. They pull him out and they're like, Paul and company, they're ruining the entire world. And this guy here, Jason, he's welcoming them in. In fact, I love, I love what this says here. It says, these men who have turned the world upside down, they have come here also to Thessalonica. And Jason has received them. And they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Do you know what I love about this passage? The accusers get it right. How often has the church been attacked and accused of things, and it's like, we didn't even do that. That's not what we're saying. I mean, how many times have you heard, like, that just, but yet here, the accusers actually get it right for once. Yes, it is. It's all about Jesus. Like, I'm sure, like, these guys are standing here saying, oh, these guys are ruining the world, and this guy, Jason, he's received them. They're trying to defy the government, saying that they should all worship Jesus. And you know what? I'm sure Jason, because he's so cool, He's standing there going, yep, that's right. That's exactly what's happening. We're all about Jesus here. It was very clear to everyone that Jason and company were all about Jesus, even when that meant defying the government. Uh Uh-oh, where are you going with this, pastor? Don't worry. I'm only going where God's leading. And that's all we want to do. 
I'm only going where God's leading. I want my life and my actions and my faith to be so crystal clear that I am part of God's kingdom, that Jesus is my king, and if there's a fight that I'm going to enter in, it's for the gospel. So we've looked at God's call, but let's talk about our call here at Peace Church. Like what Our call as this local body. We love what's happening in that journey. I love what's going on at Middleville First. Like, I love the local churches around here. But what about us here at Peace? In this sermon series, we're looking at language around our mission and vision. And in each sermon in this sermon series, we're, we're going to be talking about some important goals that we think God has for us over the next three to five years. So if you want to know what all those goals are, you have to come to every message in the sermon series. See what I did there? So last week we talked about our call to get the gospel out there and that how we're working on increasing our online ministry so that the church is more equipped so that gospel work can be done online too. And as we walk along the Apostle Paul and company, we're seeing things that they do on their second missionary journey that we think are reflective of what God wants us to do here and now. So one of the things that we see Paul and company do on this second missionary journey is so blatantly obvious, I think we actually miss it. They're starting churches. And this second missionary journey was, was probably about three years long, we think. And in it, we see at least five churches started. And we know that new churches reach new people. That's, just, that's a blatant fact. New churches reach new people in a way that most established churches don't. That churches who multiply see people come to Christ. Yet in America, less than one half of a percent of churches are actively multiplying. And so here at Peace Church, what does this mean for us? It means it's time to get serious about what's next. And that's multiplication. In 2017, we at Peace Church, we adopted a vision paper called Becoming a Sending Church. In it, we outlined our hopes and dreams of what it means to be a church that multiplies. Now, since 2017, a lot has changed, and so much so that particulars of that document radically need to be updated, but the heart is still the same, that we believe that we are called to multiply as a church. New churches reach new people, yet in America, less than a half a percent of churches are multiplying. Church growth experts will say that a church that grows at a rate of roughly 5% of year over three years should be in a position to multiply, yet they don't. By the way, we are at a 16% growth rate over the last five years. During the second missionary journey, we see at least five new churches started in the span of about three years. At Peace Church, it's time for us to truly consider about what it means to look like to multiply out, to not keep things to ourselves, but to share them with the communities around us. Now, we have raised up amazing leaders to go and start churches in the past at Peace Church, including my predecessor, Pastor Adam. But more than re just releasing people to start churches, we want to formally multiply and launch people out so that with our continued support, we can see new people reached for the gospel of Jesus. So let me just kind of map out the early stages of what this vision could look like and address a couple FAQs. Next summer, as a church, we conclude our agreed partnership and investment with Pastor Adam and Inheritance Church, at which point we will take the budgeted amount for them and turn that into our multiplication efforts, and we hope to see that increased. And so here, here's a vision, here's a hope. What would it look like next fall, a year from now, to start a new church here on campus, downstairs in our venue that's fully resourced for something like that, 
have this new church meet on campus for a few months, who knows how long, and then launched out with our love and continued support and shared resources to go and reach a new community. As we see new people reached for Jesus, as we see us live into a gospel pattern that we see throughout the New Testament, that we don't just keep gathering, keep gathering, keep gathering, but we gather and we send out. We gather and we scatter, as the popular language goes. I think that would be a beautiful and exciting thing for us to get around, to continue to reach new people with new churches. Now, there is much to be determined over this next year about what that could look like. I know there's questions like, does our church even need another church? Does our area even need another church? Or questions about, do we have the resources ready? All these questions will get answered, and we'll talk about those in more, but I just want to get to two of the most pressing questions when we talk about something like this. Where will this new church be, and who's going to lead it? Let's talk about those for a second. Where would this new church be located? So the, the holy answer is wherever a church like Peace Church is needed. Because a church that we would launch out would, would inevitably go with our DNA. That's the holy answer. The uh, honest answer, if those are different, would be this has yet to be determined. But since 2017, when we started, when this vision was really birthed and we started thinking about this, a few different places have risen to the top. The Wayland area, Greater Hastings area. We've also considered like the Davenport area near M6 and uh, 68th Street. We know that's a growing area. We're praying, Lord, where? All of them? In what order? Where, Lord? This is something that we as a church, we're going to continue to pray about. We're going to continue to discern. We're going to survey people from our congregation. We're going to have leadership conversations. I'm going to invite you all to be praying about this. And so please be praying about this. And as this year unfolds, please, as a church, be informed about what's happening amongst your church family. We've got a newsletter that we send out once a week. A quick plug for it. If you're not signed up, you can do it on our, new, on our website. Please be reading our newsletter because over the next number of months, as this begins to take some, get some traction, we're going to be sharing some things through our newsletter and on Sunday morning, but regularly through our newsletter. So please be reading it as we think about what this could look like. So I know another big question that I should just address right now is who would lead or pastor a new church like this? So part of what we would do is look at, with, the, uh, with this new investment, is we look at hiring a pastor of kingdom multiplication who could help spearhead multiplication efforts, who would help us to raise up new pastors and new leaders, also do other things like help to increase our outreach efforts into our communities, both here and at future plants and campuses, as we continue to truly own the fact that we are kingdom-minded. So we do not have anyone specifically identified yet. It's a prayer that we are praying as we go through this programming year. But as I remind you, let me remind you, as we talked about earlier, Paul and company set out on this journey to plant churches. And along, they, along the way, they picked up the church planner, Timothy. And when they started Ephesus, they left him there and kept going. And they ended up writing back to him a few times. We will move forward in faith, trusting that God will provide if this is truly his will. I don't mean that we're going to shoot half-cocked. No, nope, we will have our ducks in a row. But, it doesn't, but this does mean we are, we're going to move forward in faith that we've talked about this for four years now. It's either start doing it or maybe figure out if God has something else for us. But I think this is what God wants for us. 
I think this is a pattern. I think this is effective. I think this is, could rally the troops. I think we could see the forces of the enemy push, push back. I think we could see our church unified. And so, you've heard the call of God. You've heard the call on Peace Church. It's time for you to think about what this means for you, for your call. Because I want you individually to be a part of what God is doing corporately. When it comes to multiplication, here is what I would have you to start to consider even now. How am I called to take part in Peace Church's kingdom multiplication? In sending or in being sent? In sending or being sent? All this will become solidified as we roll, especially like into the new year. But I can tell you that right now that we'd probably be looking for at least 100 people from Peace Church to take part as pioneers in this new venture to go and reach a new people. And so you might be thinking, uh, Pastor, this is my first Sunday here, but sent or being sent. I'm just like trying to figure out what's going on. My friend, let me tell you, he brought you here for a reason. And how blessing is it for you to figure out on day one what that is? He brought you here for a reason because he's got something he's calling us to do. And he may be calling you to do it so that we can see this happen for God's glory. And I'm not asking you to sign on any dotted line right now. There's no pricking fingers and signing on blood, nothing like that. Right now, I am just asking everyone who calls Peace Church home just to be praying about this. Praying about this for us as a church. Praying about this that God would guide. And praying about even now, is God stirring in your hearts to send or to be sent? Now listen, I don't want you thinking about location or leader right now. I want you to think about calling. Is this something that you are called to do? I believe God is doing amazing things in this world. I believe God is doing amazing things in this church. And as I get to know this congregation more and more and more, I know God's doing amazing things in your lives. And I am humbled continuously by the ways I see God move amongst us. I see the Spirit being poured out. I see His grace being known in, in homes. And so church, let's go where God leads. If God is leading us, it is somewhere good. If you believe that, say amen. It doesn't mean it won't be hard. It doesn't mean that there won't be conflict. But if God is leading us, it is somewhere good as he grows his church to be more eclectic, as more people find their place at the throne of our King Jesus. So let's do this together. Peace Church, pray. Pray kingdom-sized prayers for you, for your church, for what's to come. And know that we will grow to be more eclectic, grow that we will be more unified as we face conflict. And remember, at all times, we sit and we worship the King.